The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in. Film at 11. Hello there and welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories. I'm your host, Brian Davis. For this week's episode, we're going to cover guilty pleasure movies. And what I mean by this is, it might be that you enjoy a movie that was universally panned by critics, or possibly it just did horrible at the box office, but you don't care because you enjoyed the movie anyway. Or it could be just simply your friends make fun of you because they're movie snobs and they won't allow you to have your simple pleasures. Whatever it may be, we all have guilty pleasure movies, and that's okay. There is something out there for everyone, and if it makes you happy, you should watch it, and watch it a lot. So that's what we're going to cover this week, and I'll get into my top 10 list now. Number 10 on my list for guilty pleasure movies is The Green Hornet from 2011. So I'm a big fan of old-time radio programs from the 1930s and 40s. And as a kid, I would spend hours in my room listening to old tapes of Jack Benny, The Shadow, Our Miss Brooks, Abbott and Costello, and The Green Hornet, along many others. So when I heard there was going to be a movie version of The Green Hornet, I was thrilled. Really looking forward to it. I'm probably one of the few people that really enjoyed this version of The Green Hornet. And I suppose I can understand how older fans of the character might have been upset with the film. But I kind of liked how it was a spoof. It wasn't a straight-ahead uh, superhero movie. It wasn't supposed to be like the old version. It was also cool to see how Kato is like basically the lead good guy, and as opposed to just being a sidekick. It's always the sidekick does nothing, and, and that's kind of, you know, Kato was important in the original show, but he wasn't the main, main person. So basically, Seth Rogen was the buffoon and let Kato take the lead. And also, you have an excellent villain in Christoph Waltz, who was good in everything. So in any case, even Seth Rogen wasn't even a big fan of the film, so a chance of a sequel is pretty much out of the question, which is much to my dismay. But if you like movies and superhero movies that aren't traditional, I think this is a good one. Hola, I am the Green Hornet. Number nine on my list is The Jazz Singer from 1980. And I must preface this by saying The Jazz Singer is not the greatest movie. It's even confusing at times, especially towards the end. However, the movie holds a special place in my viewing history for a few reasons. As a small child between the ages of three and five, Neil Diamond was my absolute favorite artist. According to my parents, all I'd listened to was Neil Diamond. I'd listened to his records, his tapes, even his 8-tracks. Yes, I am old enough to remember 8-tracks. The legend goes, when people would ask my name, I'd say, Neil Diamond. I seem to block this memory out, but my parents like to remind me anytime they can. I do remember having an extra stocking hanging on the mantle for Neil during Christmas. Of course, the ironic part being that Neil Diamond is Jewish. Eh, it's a minor detail. My family had a copy of The Jazz Singer, which was taped by my uncle at HBO. We didn't actually have cable in my house until I think it was 8th grade. This copy of Jazz Singer lived in infamy with my family because halfway through the movie, the channel suddenly changed and we were stuck watching the Lou Grant show starring Ed Asner. For years, I had no idea how five to ten movie, minutes of the movie went. <laughs> the mention of Lou Grant will always bring laughs to my family, even 30 years later. So while the movie leaves a lot to be desired, the soundtrack is really stellar, and many of his better-known hits were on this album, like America, Love on the Rocks, and Hello Again. I'll smack you in the mouth! I'm Neil Diamond! Number eight 
is UHF from 1989. Now, often my dad would shame me and when he, when he saw a trailer on TV back then and would say, oh, that's your type of movie. Well, yes, it was my type of movie. Um, so I had no shame in watching movies like this. But it was just an incredibly hilarious to watch when I was a kid and Weird Al Yankovic was, was very popular at the time. And uh, to be honest, I just watched UHF not too long ago after going through my DVD collection. I still think it's pretty funny. So either my sense of humor hasn't progressed since I was 10 or I was way ahead of, of, of the time at, at my age. But it's probably best not to dwell on that thought. Um, so in addition to Weird Al, you also get Michael Richards just before he took the role as Kramer on Seinfeld. Uh, also, Kevin McCarthy is great as the evil TV station executive. You might remember him. He played uh, the lead character in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So some of my favorite commercials and fake shows from the movie were Wheel of Fish, where you had uh, the main character going, You're so stupid! when they were, would get their, uh, their question wrong. There was uh, Spatula City, uh, Gandhi 2 The Revenge, and Conan the Librarian. All really fun stuff. Today, one of these lucky contestants will win his or her weight in fish right here on Wheel of Fish! Okay, let's play the game. We start with yesterday's winner, Miss Phyllis Weaver. Are you ready, Weaver? I sure am, Cooney. Okay, you'll get over there and spin the Wheel of Fish. seven on my list are pretty much the first four Police Academy movies. If you grew up in the 80s and you like stupid comedies, Police Academy was kind of required uh, viewing. <laughs> so I watched a lot of those movies as a kid, and I wouldn't call one better than the other. They're kind of all fun in their own way. Um, though after the four, fourth movie, I kind of stopped caring as much. But in any case, uh, the, the original movie is actually, I, I wouldn't call it the best, but it, it's, it's, it kind of started everything, and it did really well in the box office, was why they kept making sequels. So Police Academy was my introduction to Steve Gutenberg and Kim Cattrall. Gutenberg seemed to be a staple of, eight, of you know 80s comedies, starring in a lot of movies like uh, Cocoon and Three Men and a Baby, and then, of course, Kim Cattrall went on to star in Sex and the City. The Police Academy movies were completely ridiculous, and that's what I loved about them. The pranks and antics were perfect for me. And how can you not love the Blue Oyster Bar, which was the gay bar that people would end up going to by accident, and it was always funny because it was like a biker leather bar that was, you know, super funny. So once you heard the the theme, theme song, the horns, that was like, you, you knew that they were going to that bar, and you couldn't help but start laughing. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I mean. 
number six is Dragnet from 1987. So this is a parody movie based on the original, it was originally an old-time radio show, then it was a TV show in the 60s starring Jack Webb, who played a straight-laced police detective um, named Joe Friday. However, uh, this version uh, starred Dan Aykroyd in the Jack Webb uh, character, and then his partner was played by Tom Hanks. Yes, Tom Hanks used to do comedies back then. But anyway, my mom loved the TV show from the 60s and decided to take me to, to the theater to see this when it came out, and I absolutely loved it. Dan Aykroyd is absolutely perfect playing Joe Joe Friday, and he really kind of played it with a you know kind of a tongue in cheek, straight lace, but he he was just great. And so Hanks plays a- a- Aykroyd's younger but free spirited partner and tries to loosen up the tight you know tightly wound cop. Um, as a result, the duo gets in all sorts of trouble, uh, making for pretty much a hilarious movie. But my favorite scene, which I'm going to play for you next, involves Kathleen Freeman, who was also in the Blues Brothers, and she played the the nun, otherwise known as the Penguin. The amount of obscenities that come out of her mouth in such a short period of time is absolutely hysterical. I used to watch this scene over and over and just laugh and laugh, much to the dismay of my parents. We had been advised to follow up on a theft at 8823467 Magnolia Boulevard. At this time of day, it took us 20 minutes to get there. The complainant was the landlady, one Enid Borden. Some pagan cards had been found. What the hell do you want? Police officers, ma'am. About time you pencil dick showed up. Why couldn't you have got here before that big, bad, stupid-looking piece of sewage breath stole my white wedding dress? Miss Borden, sewage breath would be your little nickname for... Muzz. Emil Muzz. Hmm. Not much of an improvement. That asswipe also stiffed me for two months' rent when his deposit check bounced. Goddamn puss-faced little pimp stick. All that was left in his room was a big box of these things. Any idea where this animal must could be right now, friends, family? Nah, he was alone. Took off in the middle of the night. Useless scum-lapping shitbag. Just the facts, ma'am. He leave anything else behind? Yeah, tape deck, which I had to sell to make up for the lost rent, so there's nothing you can do about it, you slimy little jizz bucket. Yes, ma'am, although I should point out to you that technically you could be cited for swearing at us like that. Says who, flathead? Says the California Penal Code, section 314.1, covering obscene live conduct in public. Good enough for you, lady? The magazines and papers were his down in the trash. No checks of money, I looked. I should have thrown it all in the river the day he left, but unlike some people, I have a heart, goddammit. That miserable little bag of puke. I think we're finished here, don't you, Detective Strebeck? Number five on my list is Back to School from 1986. You can see a theme. I like a lot of 80s movies, but whatever. That's what I like. With the exception of Caddyshack, Back to School is the best Rodney Dangerfield movie. Back to School is basically old school before old school. It's a completely a farcical premise, which is why it works so well, because Rodney never takes himself too seriously. And even though I was eight or nine at the time when I first saw this, it made me really look forward to going to college. Uh, my dad ended up buying the soundtrack just for the song Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo, which is a great song. But the best scene in the movie is with the legendary comedian, and now deceased, Sam Kinison, who plays Rodney Dangerfield's very demented and short-tempered history teacher. It was absolutely priceless. Also, Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie as the main character's friend, and he had one scene where he's just totally hilarious. So why don't we dive right in by interpreting one of the easiest events in the last 20 years of American history. Now, can someone tell me why in 1975 
We pulled our troops out of Vietnam. The failure of Vietnamization to win popular support caused an ongoing erosion of confidence in the various American but illegal Saigon regimes. Is she right? Because I know that's the popular version of what went on there. I know a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could, but I was there. I wasn't here in the classroom, hoping I was right, thinking about it. I was up to my knees in rice paddies with guns and Edward going up against Charlie, slugging it out with him while pussies like you were back there partying, putting headbands on, doing drugs, listening to the goddamn Beatle albums. Ah! Ah! Hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? I mean, these kids, they were in grade school at the time. And me, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. <laughs> well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called the Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to the Great Wall of China and take the first big brick and new deal back into the fucking Stone Age River? How come, Johnny? Why? Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Because Truman was too much of a pussy whip to let MacArthur go in there and blow out those coming bastards! Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> oh, good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. Oh, I love three girls at once. If I call the female, he's jumping to talk to <laughs> going for the uh, heavy disassociated artist thing or the ongoing blind thing? Huh? Oh, it's a deaf thing. Oh! This will cheer you up. Oh, do me! Derek, get up, will you? You look like the poster boy for birth control. Number four is Dirty Work from 1998. Dirty Work has turned into sort of a cult classic. But I loved it when it was first released and always thought it was underrated as a modern screwball comedy. There are tons of hilarious scenes and great cameos from Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Chevy Chase, Don Rickles, and Gary Coleman. Norm MacDonald is the star of the movie and basically plays himself. So if you're a fan of his work, you'll appreciate this movie. Dirty Work also stars um, Artie Lang, and this was the first time I saw him because then a few years later he would go on to star on The Howard Stern Show. And speaking of Artie, one of the funniest scenes in the movie is with him and Don Rickles. Now, Rickles makes fun of everyone, but from what I heard, he basically ad-libbed this entire scene that I'm going to play for you next. It's just so much fun. Uh, often I will say, you baby gorilla. The other really funny scene is Chris Farley, who often talks about when a Saigon whore bit his nose off. And, and you know how Chris Farley speaks, and so the way the inflection in his voice just, just sells it. All right, all right. Everybody line up, huh? Line up, don't be dummies, just get in line. That's fine. Gentlemen, members of the National Office are coming here tonight for their annual inspection of this theater. Right now, I'm going to explain to you my managing style for the benefit of the new guys. <laughs> so there you are, Tubby. Ah, you look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. 
You baby gorilla. Why don't you work a zoo and stop bothering people? Got a call yesterday from Baskin Robbins. They said that they're down to only five flavors. You're swelling up as I talk to you. Look at you. How's this? How's it doing? <laughs> Hello, ice cream. Having a good time? <laughs> Running around? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Because I called your friend a fat pig, huh? You think that's funny? Oh, no, I was just laughing uh, earlier when you were talking to his belly. Don't you get a horse and live in the mountains someplace and don't bother anybody? Got a personality like a dead moth. Okay. The fun's over. Anybody messes this thing up for me tonight is through. Not only are you fired, your life is over. I'll see to it that you never work again and that you wind up tearing tickets off in Kuwait. Salam alaikum, and everybody's sucking sand. Nobody messes up. You understand me? Don't mess up. Jimmy, your new nose looks great. Thanks. Best $200 I ever spent. <laughs> hey, uh, Jimmy, that girl you're with, she's not the, uh... Yep. Lynn Young, the Saigon whore who bit my nose off. <laughs> We're getting hitched. Oh. Jimmy, let's go. Hold on, I'm talking to my friend here. Jeez. Sometimes you gotta remind the hen who the rooster is. <laughs> well, good luck to you, Jimmy. Okay, Mitch. See you around. Blah, 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 blah. When I say let's go, you go. Yeah? Time you shut your cake hole, Yoko. Women. Now listen, don't ever talk back to me like that in front of my friends. You're making me really, really angry. Oh, that scares me. That scares me to death. Look. Oh, you bit my new nose off. Damn it. Number three is the Kentucky Fried movie from 1977. I remember loving this movie as a kid, and since Airplane was one of my favorite movies growing up, it was only natural that I would gravitate to the Kentucky Fried movie since it featured the same writers that wrote Airplane. It has the absurd humor that I'm fond of. There's really no plot. It's like a series of sketches. Um, so the, again, like I said, no plot. It's film parodies, faux commercials, and really kind of similar to Saturday Night Live, but way more risque. So if you're a fan of Airplane or Naked Gun, you'll probably like the Kentucky Fried movie. I remember the day the girls came over for Bridge Club. I was so embarrassed because of lingering odors. Fish for dinner last night? Harvey's still smoking the cigars? Christ, did a cow shit in here? Number two is Billy Madison from 1995. Now, I often get a lot of shit because I, I adore Adam Sandler movies. I think it's the epitome of guilty pleasure movies. Yeah, they're lowbrow and they kind of follow the same theme and they're corny, but that's what I want. I don't want to be depressed all the time. His movies never make me depressed. So all you film snobs can mock me all you want, but it doesn't bother me. I'm going to watch his movies. As long as he puts them out, I'm going to watch them. As for Billy Madison, this was Adam Sandler's first starring role in a movie and is still one of his best. I put best in quotes. So I've been a fan of Sandler, mostly due to his comedy albums, and I, I always loved Billy Madison, especially when it came out. 
So the movie is completely ridiculous, but there's so many funny things to quote and mimic that you eventually throw out all reasonable logic. You know, the, the logic being this is a kid that has to go back to, it's not a kid anymore, he's an adult. He has to go back to school, start from kindergarten through high school and pass, you know, every grade so he can get his father's business played by Darren McGavin. I know, it's stupid, but who cares? So anyway, quotable things are like everything from I see you, Penguin, or it's Nudie Magazine Day. Or, Don't tell me my business, devil woman. He called the shit poop. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Nice piece of shit. My oh my, wait till old man Clemens realizes it's a bag of shit. He's gonna shit when he realizes it's shit. <laughs> Who got the lighter? made it all the way to number one and it's probably a movie you never even heard of so you're gonna have to go out and see it now my number one favorite guilty pleasure movie of all time is rhinestone from 1984 so a lot of critics and non-critics absolutely trash this movie i'm definitely in the minority because i love this movie i loved it as a kid and i still love it as an adult and i'll admit the premise is ridiculous Dolly Parton makes a bet with her agent that she can turn anyone into a country singer. Enter New York City cab driver Sylvester Stallone and the hilarity begins. I have no idea why I remember this, but I'm almost positive that this movie was on the same VHS tape as The Natural starring Robert Redford. I'm pretty sure my uncle taped both movies off of HBO for us. Anyway, going back to the plot, basically if Stallone doesn't win over the crowd at the extremely finicky uh, rhinestone club... Dolly doesn't get to tear up her old contract with her slimy agent and must renew for an additional five years with him. One fun trivia note about this film is Stallone actually turned down the role in Romancing the Stone for this movie. That went to Michael Douglas. Oops. The funniest scene in the movie is I'm going to play it next. But when I was a kid, I would just roll on the floor cracking up after hearing this song. The background to this scene is a new artist is trying to break in at the rhinestone. And you get to see how the crowd treats new artists. The lyrics are absolutely priceless along, along with the reaction in the crowd. So please enjoy. After this clip, you'll hear all the rest of the Guilty Pleasure movies. And I'll come back to wrap up everything. Let's give a very warm Randstone reception to the incredible, real cowboy, the effervescent, the intoxicated, Mr. Elgar Randstone. Shut up! You blow that thing one more time, son. You're gonna be eating it for a midnight snack. You 
understand me. This guy's serious. How serious can he be? He's got a duck on his shirt. <laughs> this is a song I wrote for my baby. Well, I left my home when I was 22 But I never did find my time or place It's just the kind of thing a man has to do With a scar on his soul Like the one on his face In the emptiness inside From the day my baby died I coached him myself He'll finish, you wait it was a Sunday, June morning, and the sun broke high. I had a smile on my face, and I knew just why. Didn't hear no warning, didn't fear no storm. I knew for sure on that very morn that girl was gonna be my bride. It was the day my baby died. It's great. Keep it down. In a long white gown and a bridal bouquet How I begged her not to plow the fields that day Oh, her beauty never stops She failed a duty to her crops Duty? Duty she to her crops? She jumped in the old John Deere <laughs> she drove away Hey, hey She said, baby, don't you worry this will only take a minute, but the wheels caught her gown and dragged her down in it. Imagine my surprise when I looked her in the eyes. Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. The tractor cut her down south. Oh, how the hands of fate they cracked her. Neat the wheels of her daddy's tractor. There was blood on the corn and brains on the hay. <laughs> hey, hey. I ran as fast as I could, but all I found was chunks of my sweetie smeared all around, big hunks of my darling on the cold, cold ground. Oh, yeah. happened to my Loretta. <laughs> so we're back with Sarah, who I think just almost threw up. Uh, so yeah, it's, <laughs> no, kombucha is not the business. I don't understand why everybody likes that stuff. Is that your guilty pleasure? Kombucha? No, that's like, I, I want it to be healthy, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to do this, everyone's healthy, and then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> Never. I don't know if we can recover from this, but. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do guilty pleasure movies this week, and so I, you think you have one, so I, I'm dying to know what this is. Wait, did it just, oh. Eddie and the Cruisers. Oh, that's a brilliant one. Yes. <laughs> that is, and actually, I have some of the music on my iPod. Like, that's even better. And I'm scared when people are with me, and I'm like, oh, what? It's <laughs> next. Because <laughs> they're like, what is that? I'm all nothing. I'm surprised you didn't pick that for favorite soundtrack. You know what? 
No, because it's kind of like, it's just mostly one band. And it's probably because I like the movie and mm -hmm. it reminds me of the parts in the movie. Yeah. Um, John Cafferty and the Beaver, Beaver Brown, Brown Band. Yeah. yeah, which is a really kind of kooky name as it is. But <laughs> the end of that, I remember as a kid watching that movie. Have you seen it? Oh, of course. I've seen in Eddie Lives. Too. Oh, right. Yeah. That one was not probably so, not the best sequel. No. We'll have to file that. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> the ending of that, as a, as a kid when I saw that, and when the song, the music goes off, and like you see his reflection with, the, I was like, <gasps> it was just like this most eerie kind of spooky, whoa, yeah, you know, where I was just anyway. But so, any if that movie is ever on, I will watch it every time, all the time. Like you just wherever it is, you catch it and you know it. But most of the time, they cut out any of the. What happened to the Eddie, like the actor? Like I don't was. He oh, Michael Perry, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Well, he that brings me to my next guilty pleasure yeah. movie, <laughs> which would be Streets of Fire. Yep. Which is actually you are the only other person in the world I think that's seen it so, yeah. maybe, but they have it has like an amazing group of actors. It had like Rick Moranis yep. and was it Bill Paxton Pullman? Which mm -hmm. one is it? Chet from freaking Weird Who played Chet in Weird Science? I think that's it's a Bill something. Paxton. Paxton. I want to say Paxton. Yeah, he's yeah. like in Big Love or whatever. Yes. Diane Lane, like oh, it's yeah. like a huge and kind of musical ish. Yeah, yeah. but again. I didn't know that when I first saw it that they were not singers, so it was acceptable. That's a great one. Otherwise, it wouldn't. So those, though, that's probably two of my. Oh, they're both Michael Perry movies. Yeah, he was in the Philadelphia Experiment yeah. too, which was, uh, you know. Okay, and then I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Over the Top and the story <gasps> behind this. Oh, I love, this is the best story ever. This is why we're so we're tight. Buddies. This yeah, is why exactly. we're exactly. Oh, yeah. So. What, what what brought up that we were talking about movies? I think basically you you were saying that you're. Babysitter were '80s movies. Or oh yes, exactly. Up. That's what because my parents didn't we care. We kept where I talking was. about basically like movies that were terrible in the '80s. But and we songs. Loved. Yeah. I think we, you songs. must have started bringing up Footloose, and yeah. I thought Kenny Loggins, and I go, "Oh my God, there's this one song I love from a movie I never got to see because now it's so obscure. I, like you're never gonna find a DVD yeah. or whatever, and <laughs> you're like." Hmm. Funny you should say that. <laughs> I happen to own it. Yeah. I, happen, I was like, no way, you do not own it. All. You're lying. It's the Sylvester Sloan and the and the semi and the arm wrestling, and you're like, yep. And I don't think you even believe me. That's I why I came didn't. back the same day to give it to when you. When you walked yeah. in, I was like, oh, 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 and I totally went home that night. I'm, I'm so watching this, and I like close my blinds and I like look around. And does anybody know that I'm so watching this? So the funny this? part is, I'm pretty sure you put it away because it was almost like I was giving you a porno tape. Totally, I like went and put it in the drawer, and I'm all shh. Don't anybody see it and be like, what are they doing? I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, this actually is existence. Like yeah. They, yeah, it was. It was like it was, you know, black market porn, but it was yeah. so, <laughs> but it was so over the top. Whatever happened to the kid in that movie? I should look ah, that that's one a good up. one, yes. And Whoever then thought. obviously Bull Hurley, the guy with the You're mine hawk. Oh yeah. my I actually yeah. think I need to see that a couple more times too, so I can so I can I quote brought... more of the lines to you. Maybe we should do like a Mystery Science two thousand or three thousand oh. and just comment the whole movie. God, I don't even know, like, if, if people could handle that. I, yeah, it'd be too uh, we, much. We'd be hilarious. Can we would probably get our own show at that probably, point. Probably. I agree. Somebody would approach. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Okay. When I get to the table, that person, I don't care who they are, they're my mortal enemy. I hate that. I'm not so enthused about people coming up and patting me on the back saying, you're the best. I don't need people to do that to me. If I win, it's just because I wanted to be the best one time in my life. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. I drive truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. Okay, so we're here with Dane this week, and we're going to go through our guilty pleasure movies. And So for some people, it's a big deal. For other people, it's not. I don't think it's a big deal, but 
we'll see what people what, say. What guilty week. pleasure movie at all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know every that's why movies are great. Yeah, you can uh, you can go anywhere with them. So I guess the thing is, most people have way more than one guilty pleasure movie. Sure, absolutely. So, so, so maybe it is a big deal if people really to reveal how many guilty yeah. pleasure movies. <laughs> No, but one person—they don't really feel that guilty about it, right? <laughs> and that one person's guilty pleasure is another one's like that—that should be popular yeah, anyway. Best movie so. ever. Yeah, exactly. Okay, for so, some people, Encino Man is the best movie ever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, let's not go that far. Encino Man. My my guilty pleasure. Or Biodome. How Biodome? Oh, Biodome. Yeah, that's another yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Boy, that was, yeah, that was kind of at the tail end of uh, Pauly Shore's career. It was, yeah. and uh, I like Jury Duty. Jury Duty was fun, and uh, Son in Law wasn't bad. And, I didn't really like Son-in-Law or In the Army now. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it's kind of funny. He he followed right after um, Ernest. Yeah, uh, there we go. The guy's real Jim Varney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, as the new kind of a uh, chucklehead, ridiculous yeah. uh, guy who has a series of movies for some reason. But it's crazy how popular both of them. I mean, I know because of um, MTV, Polly Shore really kind of yeah. took off with the Wii's and everything. But where the hell did <laughs> Ernest kind of get I don't know. his fame? Yeah. You know, I saw him on an episode, one of the later episodes of Roseanne. Really. So, but of course, that was still back in his heyday, yeah. closer to it. Um, yeah, he played some. Uh, remember after they got rich in that show? Yeah, like won the lottery. Mm-hmm. Totally threw their whole working class credit <laughs> out of the yeah, box. Exactly. It's very <laughs> unlikely to happen. Yeah, and so uh, uh, the aunt um, Jackie, mm-hmm. she starts dating um, some Austrian heir. Okay, whatever. And, uh, and Jim Barney plays that guy. Plays that guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But I, I remember dragging my dad along to one of the Ernest movies. He's like, oh, never again. Never again am I doing it's this. It's pretty inane. It's yeah. pretty bad. I mean, I I dare say worse than a Pauly Shore movie. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, Jim Varney's aimed at kids, I guess. And yeah. And Pauly Shore more like teenage people. Yeah. Teenage people. Exactly. And, and, and 20-somethings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess that makes it ever so slightly less right. idiotic. Um yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I, I was going to talk about... Uh, <laughs> this is the fun part about the podcast. We can go in yeah, any that direction. Yeah, that was some uh, heady, high-level talk about what I'm about to bring up. Well, Pauly Shore, you know, it, I don't know if you're into comedians at all, but Mitzi Shore, like, ran, the, I guess, the Comedy Cellar in L.A. Oh, like, you know was, what? Yeah. I, I, You know, I actually watched that uh, documentary about mm-hmm. him. It was on Showtime. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, I remember him talking about that. Yeah. Right? So that, well, that explains how he got his foot in the door. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if uh, Jim Barney's parents were. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, or yeah, that's yeah, a burn. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so your yeah. your guilty pleasure movie. I like this because I told totally, this is my era. Yeah, so. this is a lot of people's guilty pleasure movie. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know it. It kind of uh, has come back as a, as a cult film. It's been acknowledged, now. Mm-hmm. and uh, but um, you know I was right after high school. I graduated in the late nineties, and right after high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd had a, I developed a special relationship with the Garbage Pail Kids oh. movie. A friend of mine um, also loved it, and we would we would constantly rent it on VHS. Mm. Um, and we rented it so many times. This is South Sacramento, where I grew up. Uh-huh. We rented it so many times that the guy said, "You just want to buy the video." He said, "No one else ever rents it." <laughs> <laughs> we'll make a deal. So yeah. after we spent probably you know fifty bucks renting yeah. it, you know he, he sells it to us for like twenty bucks or something. <laughs> And then a few years after that, it goes up on Netflix, and yeah. uh, all of that was just moot. I mean, right. Well, that's why I was talking to someone. Renting VHS movies was such a racket, because literally, yeah. you, you gladly hand out two bucks a week and everything, yeah. but I mean, and, but nobody bought VHS movies back then. They were too expensive. Yeah. They were like 90 bucks. You know, I, I remember they were like 90, 100 yeah. bucks. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember at Tower, you know, yeah. you see them. Absolutely. Tower Music, and it's like, and they had, they had these big 
plastic boxes that were like flotation uh -huh. devices. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's my it's, like, it's yeah. astonishing to think people pay like $100 uh -huh. for like, you know, a Scrooged on VHS right. or something. But home, I mean, you weren't going to buy it, so you might as well. People, you could easily pay off that tape in a couple weeks, yeah. you know, so. Boy, you know, the only thing more embarrassing than like, uh, you know, student loan debt for a major that did not come <laughs> to get a job is to have years of video fines oh accumulating it's with true. interest. Um, so did you actually collect the cards and everything? I did, yeah. Okay. About 10 years prior to this video situation, I would mm -hmm. know the cards. So what was your I would card? ride my bike for miles to pick up to get, absolutely. one or two packs. Yeah. yeah. So what was um, your card? Um, I don't have any one special, but I don't know what booger themed okay. would be popular. Did, did they actually booger do your fart? Did they do, <laughs> did they actually do your name? Like, because mine was Brian Brian, I think. Like, no, something. you know, I have an unusual name. Mm -hmm. It's Dane. I mean, it, it rhymes with a lot of stuff. Right, but could have. Yeah, uh, I'm actually surprised they didn't. Like, yeah, I mean, hmm. if it was D A N E, even though it isn't spelled yeah, the same, right. but yeah. So it's kind of unusual on top of being a little unusual. So yeah. Um, you know, sadly, Dane Cook popularized. Yeah, today. exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, true. really, like single-handedly, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Garbage Pail Kids. You know, it was it was the music in it was was bad slash awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, so much about it. Um, it just I, them deciding to go live action with that just made a world of difference. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, this is a good one because it's also eventually we'll do a cult classics, and that's got to be one of the cult classics. Yeah. I think it's it's an, it's uh, lower on the cool. Uh, uh, factor yeah. than um, you know like Repo Man sure that's like the but, uh, you know, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that yeah. right yeah so some some cult movies uh, you're certainly not embarrassed to admit sure. you like mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but this one yeah this one's a little bit a little bit bad well I appreciate um, you admitting it so this is cool well, you know yeah so <laughs> awesome. I, uh, yeah renting that so many times I just it, that that practice what we did yeah. just has dated has totally badly dated yeah I mean because even people still use Redbox but it's all streaming now so yeah Okay, so we're here in Rika, who is always good. She took a week off last week because gangster films just weren't in the cards when she was growing yeah, up. Yeah, no, films. I just never was exposed to them. My parents, I'm Italian-American, yeah. and my parents were always affected by the mafia in New York, just like, and had just this over-melodramatic response to any entertainment associated with, like, Italian-Americans in New York. They're like, you can't watch that. <laughs> Understandable. Which is fine. But then, like, as an adult, I never... I haven't, like, gone back to watching them, so that's something that I have to do. So you listened to last week's episode? Yeah, and I have all say, these ideas yes. now. Well, you, my personal top ten are all from the 30s and 40s, so that might yeah, be... Yeah, it's a different world, Totally too. different. Well, I, as I was trying to explain in that show... The mafia was like Capone was still around when they were making these movies. It's not like these were made to be like, yeah. And I tried to explain it to my parents. I was yeah. like, you you can't just make them into you know denying that this is a problem. Right. They were supposed to be like a narrative that helped us see the problem the through time. like a different lens. Yeah. yeah. 
thought it was interesting. What was crazy is the gangsters at the time actually enjoyed watching these films too. <laughs> right? It's like, hey, I'm on the big screen, you know? So, all right. Crazy. Guilty pleasure movies. Guilty pleasure. I want to hear all about this. What are your guilty pleasure movies? A lot of them fall to like silly rom coms. Mm -hmm. And. I feel like they're really stupid. So one of the I've never heard a rom be called rom com before. And for the older people out here, <clears throat> my parents, that means romantic comedy. You're romantic welcome. Romantic comedies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I watched two romantic comedies obsessively mm -hmm. over and over and over again as a child. And a lot of this is because we didn't have cable television. Like mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with cable television. So we would like rent random movies yeah. and then I would just record them to VHS and that was my entertainment. I would watch them over and over. Mm -hmm. One of them was The Wedding Planner with Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the other was Runaway Bride with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. Mm -hmm. And these two, you know, I'm looking back at them and a lot of them actually, well, the two of them, have a common theme, which is like the self-discovery of the woman, yes. right? Like, so yeah, they're kind of abhorrent mm -hmm. on like <laughs> the quality level. Yes. Like the dialogue is horrible and like the acting is ridiculous and there's nothing good. <laughs> like, but when it's on, you have to watch. Yeah, because yeah. that, well, one, I know every word. Sure. And two, I'm just like, I know these stories like the back of my hand mm -hmm. like I've internalized them and like the, the, the main theme is okay you're a woman who is living a life based on fantasy right sure and you have to accept certain aspects of reality and real relationships mm -hmm. in real life before you can like accept yourself into them and then get all the things you want out of yeah. life, right? So when you're a teenage girl, you're like influenced by all these external forces. You're like, oh, I can be my own person. <laughs> <laughs> so it sticks with you. But it's still like as an adult, you watch them and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so can you watch these now and, and be... Can you still get in the moment you had as a kid or is it just... Oh, totally. Okay, That's, that's what's good. so fascinating yeah. to me about Guilty Pleasures. Yeah. It's like the... You watch them again and again and again, and every time you're still, you still feel that same sense of satisfaction. Right. So, like, I don't know why that would be or how they do that, mm -hmm. but, like, every time I watch it, I still feel that same sense of, like, oh, yeah. and, and, oh, yay, she did it, or, like, <laughs> good, good job. Yeah. But I guess there's a sense of comfort <laughs> in what you already know. Like, there's no, there's gonna be no surprises. Whatever yeah, at that totally. moment in time, it makes you feel better. It's kind of like music, you know, like the music you grew up with. Yeah. For whatever reason, even if you don't, you're like, eh, I don't really like it anymore. You can still listen to it now and appreciate it because it yeah. brings back to that time. Yeah. And like my mom, I would watch them over and over and my mom would like hear me watching them again and be like, mm -hmm. how can you watch that over and <laughs> yeah. over? You know what's going to happen. Right. It's like for some reason, even though you know it's going to happen, you the journey and like the experience of watching it is still the same. Yeah. I don't know why. It's I, so cool. I wonder if it's comedies in general. Like, they're just Maybe. more repeat vi viewing than, than dramas or... I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't like to experience pain over and over. Exactly. Right? So, like, when I see something that's, like, really dramatic and really sad and, you know, it has this beautiful message at the end or yeah. whatever, I'm like, great, but I do not want to experience that again. Right. <laughs> Whereas action, I guess action I could do over and over Repeatable, again. Repeatable, yeah. totally. I used to watch... Uh, 
a couple of action movies. I used to watch Phone Booth over and over again. <laughs> no, with Colin that? Farrell. Where he's in a phone booth oh, on the right. phone with a terrorist. Yes. Like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then like a whole bunch of snipers come out and mm-hmm. shit and he has to like keep terrorists on the phone. <laughs> I watched it so many times. Yeah. Why? I don't know because it was so exciting. But you only watch Ransom once. I couldn't watch Ransom yeah. again. There are a lot of action movies I watched over and over. Yeah. With my brother mostly. We watched Spear over and over. Mm-hmm. That was more sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. I think sci-fi you can get away with over and over again. Yeah. It's fun. And it's like kind of mentally challenging sure. sometimes to watch. <laughs> But like I, the romantic comedies, man, I can watch those. Okay, so did I? Was that the second movie that Joy Roberts and Richard Gere were in? Yeah, they did Pretty Woman. Uh, of course, yeah. Um, and that one didn't didn't do it for you, like Pretty Woman. Yeah, like um, the Runaway Bride. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pretty. I know I, I didn't. It's not really of my time. Sure. So I didn't really get it when mm-hmm. we watched it. And now that I, I watched it again recently, I was like, this is so much better. It is. Like- yeah. There's a reason why people remember that one. But I'll never forget, my parents wouldn't let me watch Pretty Woman. Because she's a prostitute. Well, yeah. I mean, it's basically a Cinderella story. It's very story. suggestive. Yeah. It's a Cinderella story about a prostitute. Yeah. So I don't think they wanted to go there. But uh, I ended up watching it at a friend's house. And I was like, well, I don't see the big deal. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's definitely suggestive stuff. And I get why, you know, especially if daughters, like, this isn't really... Yeah. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think anything that, like, promotes or romanticizes a life of, like, selling your body and it's okay because you'll be rescued by a man. Right. That You can attack that message yeah. from, like, any angle. Yeah. If you're conservative and you just don't yeah. want women to want to become prostitutes. prostitutes. yeah. And if you're a feminist yes. and you're like... A man shouldn't have to save right. you. Right, yeah. Like, both ways, yeah. it works. It's not just any man. It's, like, a very successful... <laughs> yes. rib, yeah, a sugar daddy, yeah, specifically. Exactly. Yes, the opinion. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I still loved it. Like, oh, sure. It, it's, I don't think it was m- malicious. I think mm-hmm. it's just, like, a fun story about a cool characters yeah. who fall in love, and that's just what it I think that's the key to anything. A good story is a good story, regardless yeah. of... What, how you, the whatever your beliefs are. Implications. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just I kinda... think that's why I like the topic of guilty pleasures <laughs> is because you feel guilty liking it yeah. for like the broader social implications. Sure. But it's important to address like, wait, why do we like these stories and feel guilty about liking them? Yeah. Because sometimes we just like, we like what we stories. Like. That's right. We just like to hear stories that are funny or entertaining. Absolutely. Or interesting. No one interviews Maggie in here without a haircut. Sorry, no, just got one. Excuse me, sir. I have a fact for you. Actual fact. Yes, Miss Pressman. You know, this is actually her fourth wedding, not her seventh, like they said. I know. But tell me something. Do you think think she's going to make it all the way this time? I don't know. (gasps) She swallowed her gum. (laughs) She does that. Mr. Shillian, he runs the newsstand. He's also a local bookie, you know? Ah, yes, yes. He's given eight to one odds that she won't. Okay. Instead of a, of a haircut, how about a wash? Get all that city grit out of your hair. You'll answer my questions. Fine. You wash, I'll ask. Okay, we have, as David just pointed out, a true round table here. The table is round. It's Yay. very intimate. And this is perfect because everyone's voice will... We'll pick up fine. Okay, so we're doing guilty pleasure movies. This could be movies that were just box office busts and you still like it. Or it could just be you're mocked by friends because you should be more highbrow. Um, 
But whatever it is. I'm very highbrow. Okay, yes. So, <laughs> so you're going to mock all of our choices, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of any of that <laughs> That's perfect. That's what Even we if want. it's just garbage. I'm kidding. I will still enjoy it yeah. for a little bit. Okay, so give me give me one. Just I just on. watched Ouija Origins of the Evil <laughs> last night. <laughs> I do not recommend it. Well, <laughs> I recommend it for like a dumb Netflix movie, yeah. but I would not recommend going to the theater and paying $15 for it. <laughs> and this is a sequel. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Although... Aside from the Ouija board itself, mm-hmm. I don't see any other direct correlation to the first. And we'll go to Samantha. So name a, a movie that is your guilty pleasure, new well, or old. My favorite movie of all time, yeah. which is not like my favorite movie mm-hmm. that I tell people. It's 10 Things I Hate About You. I, I love that movie. Oh. Well, so I, I get a lot of mixed things. Like it's because it's, it's just a silly high school movie. Well, of course. But it's a great film. And it's based it's on... great, great performances. It, it's a, based on the Shakespeare... Um, what was it? Yeah. Timmy the Shrew. Yeah, that's right. Shrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always got yeah. that and Can't Hardly Wait. Always confused. Even though I, they're... It's kind of the same they're era. Different. Yeah, yeah, they are totally different. Can't Hardly Wait all... Like revolved around that party and stuff. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know why. I, think I love. Me. I love all those like late '90s, early 2000s high school movies. Yeah. Like she's the man. That's another <laughs> fabulous. She's one. the man was really good. That's yeah. a great. It had movie. a young Channing Tatum. In yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. And um, oh my God, what's the other one? Oh, she's all that. <laughs> yeah. Just let's continue that. Okay. Theme. What about um, Bring It On? Oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> for sure. I hit a nerve. For sure. Did you see Stick It? Oh yeah. yeah, it was. I think it was oh, like the same the people. Gymnast, gymnast yeah. <laughs> it was like the same team behind Bring It On, so it was like very that same quirky, like like weird girl sport thing. Oh yeah, it was. That's a good guilty pleasure. <laughs> that's actually, a good one. I like that one. So Bring It On was before Spider Man, right? So this is before. Yeah. It was oh like, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was like in between her like interview with a vampire yeah. and then like Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, that's right. And, then, Thank and you. that was that was when she did like Virgin Suicides. Right. Yeah. So, no, so no, I will no. follow up yeah. with another good <laughs> weird high school movie mm-hmm. that um yeah, it's like definitely guilty pleasure. Um I was trying to differentiate between guilty pleasure and just like underrated sure because i have like a lot of good underrated ones yeah that i figure you'll get to that eventually yeah so, so you can put it all in yeah. those. okay but, you can save them. yeah uh yeah to counter for like a weird <laughs> high school <laughs> to movie counter. sky high oh, oh yeah yes. yeah masterpiece so yes. so um it came out like a, in 2005 mm-hmm. like a month after uh batman begins yeah so like after the revolution of like everything needs to be dark and gritty mm-hmm. and so it was just, like, real bad timing because <laughs> it was, like, marketed as just, like, this Disney trash. Right. Like, really, like, lighthearted and bright colors mm-hmm. and very comic booky. Um, So just, like, the worst possible <laughs> release time ever. Um, but, yeah, it was basically just the same kind of, like, high school trope of, you know, uh, the different cliques and stuff. Yeah. And um, But it just happened to be kind of a blend of superheroes as yeah. well. Um, and, yeah, like, the cameos of, like, Linda Carter was in it, uh-huh. and um, the the uh, mom and dad was like Kurt, I'm not Kurt, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, okay. yeah, Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, That's a good dog. And to back, can you trump that, Samantha? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I hit it. I hit a wall. <laughs> um, after high school movies, it's just like I got nothing. You're going. You're going to more highbrow after that. No, but. I love Will Ferrell as well. So That's if you want to go into that, yes, genre. we can. Definitely. Oh, I've seen all of them. I love. 
Talladega Nights. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could quote that at one point, but... We're going to do most quotable yeah. movies, and so that could be yeah. one that you, you can do. Yeah, it's definitely different than what I go out to watch. Yeah, I would have never guessed that you really <laughs> like Will Ferrell. So, you, obviously, old school, obviously, mm -hmm. kicking and screaming? Uh, yeah. Wow, it's okay. It's a pretty younger demographic. <laughs> I mean, I think I just watched it once. Yeah, that was a real dumb one. My dick is Yeah. Um, what was the <laughs> one... Stranger Than Fiction? Yeah, that was, was one. Oh, that was actually like a, a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. Like more underrated yeah. than, mm -hmm. um, than embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah. I remember seeing that in the theater and like walking out with the friend that I was yeah. with and we were both like, that was like actually like a good drama yeah. movie. Like, what? It's yeah. kind of his uh, um, spotless mind for Jim Carrey. Like his, that. Yeah. His like terrible. He yeah. tried to do something like indie and right. deep. Okay. Step Brothers. Step Brothers is, I, that's fine. Okay. I never caught on to the bandwagon with that, that. But sure. I like, Talladega Nights is my favorite. That's the favorite. Anchorman and Blades of Glory. Oh, I love oh, Blades yeah. of Glory, yeah. Just yeah. fabulous. Yes. Him, Amy Poehler. Mm -hmm. Oh, the weird face, incestuous. The yeah. weird brother yeah. sister <laughs> duo. Yeah. You are a smelly pirate hooker. Why don't you go back to your home on Whore Island? The game plan. Okay, I don't know this one. Who is what's in this? Who's it in this? It is a 2007 movie okay. starring The Rock. Oh, this oh, movie! Yeah, um, where so, he yeah. finds out he has like a daughter, and he's like this big oh. like asshole. Oh, I do notice. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then yeah, it's like a dumb Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was homesick, like just like uh, one day, like in college or whatever, mm -hmm. and um, it was just like on you know stars or whatever. <laughs> and maybe it was my weekend state or whatever, but um, yeah, I still hold it very fondly. Like his his relationship with the little girl. It's, it's a really stupid movie, but um, this is the epitome of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, this is great, but I will also watch The Rock do anything. Sure. So, well, yeah. he was just voted sexiest man alive. There you go. Magazine, I would so. vote for that. Yeah. I will also watch Vin Diesel do anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Chronicles of Riddick. Yep. Yep. I, so when I saw it in 2004, I legit was like, this is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. And then, like, everybody else in the world hated it. I was like, right. I don't get it. Like, it's, <laughs> a, like, yeah, it's dumb, but it's really entertaining. Yeah. And, like, the sci-fi stuff that they're trying to go for, like, yeah, it's pretty, like, dorky. Yeah. But it, I, know, I really liked it. Let's see. So the rest are all, like, comic book related. That's so fine. So if yeah. Sam wants to hop in, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> Uh, you can do research while you're going through this. The 97 Spawn movie. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Real bad, but um, yeah, for the time, the CG was like pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like one of the earlier like R-rated like comic movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just like real gross and like the demons are all slimy and mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, as a kid, I probably thought it was really cool. Now looking back, it's yeah, it's it doesn't hold like, up as well. It's a '90s, yeah, yeah, like it, it has its place. But uh, uh, and then uh, Constantine. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like it. Well, you're a huge Keanu fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll so, also watch yeah. him do anything. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was like cinematography was mm -hmm. like really like shot really beautifully. Um, it had like a real cool like Exorcist vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, the supernatural stuff that they did was really cool, but fans of the Hellblazer comic didn't like it because it was just Keanu being Keanu. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess just for like general audience, it was too 
weird. Right. So just didn't really find any like audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it went on to uh, all the Star Wars prequels. Oh yeah. 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 That, yeah. I don't like them. I don't think they're good. Yeah. Uh, but you have to watch when. Yeah. Like you have to watch them. They're part of the the world. Um, they, you uh, have to accept them. Yes. Yeah, like no matter how bad they are, you have to accept that Jar Jar is a part of that universe. Um, they all have cool parts, you know. Right, but as but, movies, uh, yeah, yeah, just as movies are so boring. Yeah. Um, I went to the 3D re-release of episode really? one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on a date, because mm-hmm. uh, she was actually like legit, like, oh yeah, like, let's go watch it in yeah. 3D. How cool would that be? And I was like, okay. And then it's like, oh. They're talking about tax tariffs in 3D. <laughs> this is real fun. Yeah, so. Why did they re-release the first yeah. one? Well, they were going to do 1, 2, 3 oh. all in a 3D re-release, but then they got bought by Disney, so they're like, we don't need to do we, that anymore. We, we can just that. spend our money on making Stupid. new ones. Yeah. yeah. But they totally hooked me. So. Those were all good. Sam, yeah. no, nothing? I, the Star Wars prequels, the first one came out when I was a kid. Yeah. I went to the theater and I enjoyed it. So, so that's who it was marketed to. Yeah. yeah. It totally so. works for kids. Right. But now yeah. it's just like, yeah. Now I haven't watched them yeah. since like 1999. <laughs> oh, still. I still haven't seen the first two. Like, I, I ended up seeing the third one because Yahoo basically gave us free tickets and we really? laughed the whole movie. And you never saw one or two? Nope. I didn't bother One's understand. pretty slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Um, two, yeah, two was just, like, real CG heavy, mm-hmm. and just, yeah, it was, like, to the point where it was just people, like, humans walking on green screen right. at a time when it wasn't so, like, the CG wasn't so good that you mm-hmm. couldn't just, like, clearly tell, this is all fake. Right. Um, three, I could kind of get into, because I could see where it was leading up to, obviously, A New Hope, yeah. so. Okay. Yeah, three was cool because it was, like... All right, you've been waiting for these yeah. two awful movies, and yeah. you finally see him turn into Darth Vader. Right, and then it was just plot, but yeah. the acting yeah. was atrocious. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> good old Hayden. Uh, he tried. He tried. Yeah. He tried. He's was... living off that money for the rest of his life. We're back with Frank, and Frank's always great in the podcast. So thank you for for joining me again. My pleasure being here, Brian. All right, so this time we're doing guilty pleasure movies. So these could be movies that were box office bombs critically panned or simply people make fun of you for liking these movies so i'm dying to know there there's a couple that come to mind and they're also feel-good movies for me so Mm -hmm. that's probably another topic for another cast sure but um two one is uh, a peter o'toole movie Mm -hmm. called my favorite year oh yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and probably early 80s yes yes yeah and it has the uh it's a great uh situation it's um, a show of a movie about 1950 NBC doing a live kind of Saturday Night Live of the 50s mm-hmm. it was the Sid Caesar show yep. parody of show of shows which is some of the funniest stuff you ever oh, see yeah, on TV absolutely. Sid Caesar is brilliant mm-hmm. um, so it's a it's a it's a uh, parody of that and Peter O'Toole plays a swashbuckler who comes in drunk and hammered and doesn't understand it's live TV and ends up being the greatest show ever. Yeah. yeah. And it was it's narrated by um, the guy who played on uh, Bulky, Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has a hyphen name. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so he plays the main character, mm-hmm. and so it, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Movie. I haven't seen it in years, but I'm going to go back and watch it. Then the other one is yeah. is one of Norman Jewison's greatest movies, in my opinion, is Moonstruck. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I'm Italian. Snap so out was, of it. Snap <laughs> out of it. Right. Cher, Nicolas Cage, when he was still normal. Yeah. You know, Cher, and when Cher was normal, too. <laughs> right, when Cher was normal, too. And her face Vincent was, Gardenia is yeah. a great character uh -huh. actor, plays her dad. Cher is a very underrated actress. You know, she was uh, Moonstruck. I think she might have won an Academy Award for it. Ma did you ever see Mask? About, yes, yeah, Mask. I mean, another brilliant movie. So. Yeah, she did win an Academy Award for Moonstruck. Yeah. She, she was brilliant in it. Um, Which is a Eastwick. Yeah. yeah, and uh, each of which, and then the the movie about the nuclear plant. Yes. Oh God, what was it? I can't. It's in not Pennsylvania. Coming. Yeah. All I can think is Chernobyl, but uh, it's not I, yeah, I can't think. She was also in. Uh, it was a kind of a feel good comedy, Mermaids. Mermaids. That was Bette fun. Midler. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Moonstruck is a great story on different levels. You got the old, the dad having an affair. You got the daughter having an affair, and they mm -hmm. got the whole New York Italianism in there. And one of the best scenes is the father from Frasier mm -hmm. plays in there. There's a great. I love movies that have restaurant scenes. I like to just put a collage of all my favorite restaurant scenes and movies together. And he when talks, Harry met Sally. When Harry met <laughs> Sally would definitely be one of those. He talks about a moonlight in the martini. He tells a story about being a professor at NYU, mm -hmm. and he teaches the same stuff for the last 30 years, but every now and then he looks up in the audience and sees this pair of fresh, bright eyes thinking that I'm brilliant, and he has an affair with these students. They don't last long, but he tells the whole story over dinner. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Olympia Dukakis yes. is Cher's mother in that as She's well. She's great in everything. So, um, so it, it's a great feel good. Yo, movie, I so. like that too. I, let me guess what your favorite um, song is. Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. Not only are you Italian, you love restaurants. You love restaurants. You know, I don't even know if I've heard that. Oh, you got to listen to it. It's basically a story in a, in and of itself. It's like two. It's almost like a two part song. So if, if you like Billy Joel, I do. You got to check out Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Ah, okay, so, I will. What right. album is that from? That it's on all of his greatest hits, so okay. I'm sure you can find it. And it's it's on Spotify and YouTube. Oh, I'll check it out. See, we go we delve in different things. See, I thought you were gonna show. go to Dean Martin when the moon hits the sky <laughs> like a big pizza pie. That's part of Moonstruck. That is amore, right? Yeah. That is amore. Well thank you, Frank. Brian, always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so we have Gwen on the show, and Gwen, I always appreciate because she's super prepared. So one of the films, I think it's my guilty pleasure, which might be a surprise for some people, uh, is the Harold and Kumar. Oh, yeah. They go to series. White Castle. They go to White Castle, and they escape from Guantanamo Bay. Right. And don't they have a Christmas movie, too? Or oh, I think, think so. Some, Do they? Yeah. Yeah. You stopped after Guantanamo, which is, yeah. 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 But, I mean... I mean, they're silly, but it's they're funny. It's, it's a great. modern Cheech and Chong kind of. Yeah, it is. That's a good way to explain it. Yeah. Modern Cheech and Chong. Oh, you should put that. There on is list. a we could do stoner genre movies. You know, Cheech and Chong <laughs> and Half Baked and all. Yeah, oh yeah, all that's movies. a good one. Yeah, stoner movies. Yeah. Okay, and then another one is. Um, the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, yeah. That's Have you seen that? Absolutely. Uh, Lindley used to call me, uh, I was uh, Anne Hathaway, because uh, we'd really? make a joke that I would have to go get her laundry and do her, her, her really? errands for her. Yeah. You went to go do her laundry? No, it was an oh. ongoing joke, but <laughs> I, I would gladly do that for her, because uh, oh. that's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, that was a great film, and you know who it's based on. I Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Who is it based on? It's based on um, the woman who is the editor of Vogue magazine, oh, Ed Winthrow. Yes. And actually, there's a documentary about her, mm. um, which was really interesting because the character that Meryl Streep plays mm -hmm. 
is just like her. Really? You know, she's very, um, in a nice way, demanding, (laughs) very Mm detail-oriented, has to have everything her way, but it it focuses on um, one of the biggest issues of the magazine, which is the September Mm. issue. Yes, and, you know, it goes through, like, her, um, you know, it really shows her personality, or in some ways, lack of. Sure. Personality, um, but she's successful, so and that's that yeah. obviously is what works for her. Yeah, but my ultimate one, I would have to say, and drum roll, okay, <laughs> is Princess Bride. That's a great one. You, you would feel guilty about the Princess Bride. Um, well, I'm not sure how people, per- you know, mm-hmm. perceive it today, mm-hmm. because. You know, back then, the movie came out in the late 80s. Yeah, I think it was 87 or something. Yeah, so it was a little bit different. You know, it's different when you see it on the big screen mm-hmm. versus when if you see it on the video um, or, you know, some other sure. cable channel. Uh-huh. Because, um, you know, it, it doesn't give that same kind of vibe. Yeah. And when I saw it, I saw it actually, um, I was living in L.A. during that time, Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to school down there. Mm -hmm. And so what we would have is these um, premieres. And so one of the premieres was Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. And so it was really exciting because at the very end of the, the, you know, the film, Um, guess who showed up? Okay. Um, Peter Falk. No. Okay. Uh, Fred Savage. I'm guessing no. everyone, but, um, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. Meatloaf. Oh, no way. <laughs> Why? Why did you? Rob Reiner. Oh, me, uh, you mean Meathead. 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 Yeah, Meatloaf. I'm like, really the singer showed up? That was so oh, random. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, Rob Reiner yeah. mm-hmm. showed up in the film, um, after the film, and he said it was just really great to see the audience reaction, sure. especially in the last scene when, um, you know, the the man who was searching for the five-fingered yeah. man, um, it's a, his name was Indigo Montoya, mm-hmm. when he says, says those famous lines, um, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Yeah. Prepare to die. And his nemesis... That's Mandy. Fatic, Mandy, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and his nemesis, of course, he ends up running the other direction, which was, which was completely unexpected. Sure. That's what Mandy Um And so Rob Reiner said that was like the best thing for him to see mm-hmm. the audience reaction to that. And that's the thing. As a, as a director, I'm sure you, you think this is funny. You're writing and you know it's funny. But there's times when the audience, it just doesn't translate. Exactly. And apparently there's been many times when The Princess Bride was going to be, you know, adapted to a film, but it just didn't pan out. Right. Um, And so there was um, interest by, for example, Christopher Reeve Mm. to play Wesley. Oh, really? Yep. And Danny DeVito was slated to play... um, do you remember the character Vizzini? He was a little yes, short yes, guy. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, yeah, so they were thinking of Danny DeVito to play yeah. that character. And when the actor for Vizzini 
his name is Wallace Shawn, when he found out, out that, oh, they were considering Danny DeVito, he was completely stressed the whole time really? to like perform really well. Um, and it's interesting because his background is that he went to Harvard and studied history, also studied at Oxford. Mm -hmm. So he's like really intelligent. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it like really shines, you know, in the film yeah. because he is that kind of person. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And there's so many great quotes in oh, there, there are, yeah. that, you know, I completely as remember. You wish. Exactly, yeah. as you wish. Um, and what was great was when I saw it, um, a friend of mine, she was sitting right in front of me. And I absolutely, to this day, remember her reactions to certain scenes. Really? I mean, I just loved it, you know, even more yeah. than the movie, just watching her. Um, and there was a scene in the film when um, the princess... Mm -hmm. Um, she Buttercup. Yes, Princess Buttercup. <laughs> she yeah. was about to marry the the king, mm -hmm. um, and there was a scene where they had the bishop, and the bishop looked like this really regal man, like very sophisticated. And then he opens his mouth and says, "Marriage." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a dream within a dream, mm -hmm. and she, my friend died laughing she almost fell off her chair and it's interesting because she's a very like religious person right. and to see that scene where you have this bishop you know being have this speech impediment yeah. it's yeah. just like well that's hilarious a, that's what makes good comedy comedy is based it's what surprises you that's what makes the laugh out loud. you're not expecting it that's exactly. why you just you kind of let loose and that wasn't expected. Exactly. And she'll never have probably the same reaction again. She'll probably, she'll find it funny, but not like the first not time. Not like the, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, uh, did you ever see Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah. We saw it in the movie theater and mm -hmm. we weren't expecting the end scene. I won't give anything away because, but the ending scene at the pageant mm -hmm. is classic. I and mean, people were rolling in the aisles because it was so unexpected because you're expecting her to do a certain dance. And it was completely different than what she exactly. did. Exactly. And as funny as it still <laughs> is, but in the movie theater, it was it was unbelievable because you weren't expecting it. And I just exactly. Stop laughing. Yeah. And then you start um, also laughing because, like, you know, other people are contagious. That's right. You know, it's infectious. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Infectious. Infectious. <laughs> contagious. That's what I'm here for. That's right. <laughs> um, but there's another scene I think which is great um, is with Andre the Giant oh of course yeah. how could you forget that yeah and Andre the Giant um, it's really interesting because I just watched a documentary about him mm -hmm. and he died really young he did it was like he was about 46 well yeah I mean but he was so big I mean that yeah, was I mean, having he your had, body hold yeah, yeah he had um, you know some kind of uh, disease or disorder yeah because he was a, almost seven feet tall and weighed what five yeah, six hundred like pounds, so. seven four. Yeah, or so. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but um, I didn't know this, but he was born in France. Oh yeah, so I didn't he know was, that. Like, mm -hmm. from France. I followed the WWF very oh. heavily in the eighties. <laughs> so yes, Andre the Giant was. A and you big, watched him? Oh, absolutely. The, oh, okay. the famous WrestleMania three where Hulk Hogan fought. Oh yeah, and, that's right. And he body slammed him, which had never been done. Now we're going off on a tangent. <laughs> we're reliving my childhood. But yeah, that was part of the reason I really enjoyed the Princess Bride as a kid because he was in it. So. Yeah, and as it was interesting because when Rob Reiner um, had him audition for the part mm -hmm. uh, 
he could not understand a word that Andre the Giant right. said. So he had to um, have these recordings and make Andre the Giant listen to them. And so repeat. that in repeat, yeah. yeah, that was the only way that he was able to learn yeah. his lines. So, um, but the one scene which I think was great is when um, the character of Andre the Giant mm -hmm. and Inigo Montoya yeah. have this like rhyme scene, mm -hmm. um, and I thought maybe we can like, you know, are you gonna make me play along? Yeah, okay. you can play right. along. So right. I could be Inigo. And you okay. could be physique. Okay. Go ahead. You can begin, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> that Fizzini, he can fuss. Fuss, fuss. I think he liked to scream at us. Probably he means no harm. He's really very short on charm. <laughs> you have a great gift for rhyme. Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that. Physique, are there rocks ahead? If there are, we will all be dead. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> so, yeah, that's like classic scene. Yeah. I don't think I really we're going like. to be great actors. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is, our audition tape is, is going to be deleted. The cine, he can fuss. Fuss, fuss. Then you like to scream at us. Probably he means no harm. He's very, very short on. Um, you have a great gift for rhyme. Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that. Fuzzy, are there rocks ahead? If they are, we all be dead. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? Okay, this is a first for the Damn Good Memories, <laughs> Movie Memories podcast. Um, my co-hosts have been drinking excessively. So, no, just kidding. They would never do that. So anyway, we're going to talk about guilty pleasure movies. I think it's a perfect time to get our guilty pleasures out here for movies. Mm -hmm. That's it. I will cut out anything that is inappropriate. So you've been warned. Anyway, so we'll start with Stephanie. So yes, I, I'm really embarrassed. You know, I think up until this point when I've talked, I've been kind of cool. This is seriously, I think, the realm of the uncool. I don't care. But that's the point of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so my guiltiest pleasure is Grease 2. Okay. Um, it is, without a doubt, I, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's still, it's one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Stephanie Zanoni was the girl I wanted to be. Like, this is before Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer is, you know, anything. Well, I no, think this yeah. is, is this her debut? No, it's not her debut, but it's got to be, like, up there. It's before Scarface. These songs are absurd. Like, there's this song, reproduction, reproduction, make my stamen go berserk. <laughs> I mean, these are the songs. Like, there's a... We're going to score tonight while they're at a bowling alley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a spectacular, spectacular movie. I love every inch of it. Um, I think the Maxwell Caulfield, Michelle Pfeiffer like relationship, there was just something about it. Mm -hmm. And from then on, I was ruined, ruined. If ever there was a guy on a motorcycle, that he was a cool rider, right? right? I want a cool rider. I wanted a cool rider. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's funny. I think the <laughs> the lyricist ran out of Ideas. energy because yeah. at the very end, she just starts spelling it. <laughs> I want to see. Oh, oh, oh. 
R I D E R because he can't come up with anything else to say about a guy on a bike. Well, when um, now you just keep going back into the chorus another ten times. Oh my again. gosh, it is. Okay, Without so a doubt, you the, part of the reason you love this movie also because you just rented it all the time. So it's that era yeah. where it's like nonstop. So. Well, the other thing too is so I, I grew up in North Hollywood and there was a United Artists mm-hmm. movie theater. It was like the only movie theater in town. Yeah. And for two dollars, I think two dollars and fifty cents, something like this. Um, you know, you that was my allowance. I think at the time was like five bucks. Okay. So for five bucks, I could go to the movies. You got a five dollar per week allowance. Yeah, well, no, no, this is when my parents had money. You know, when we were little, there was like no money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got this like five dollar allowance, and I think well, how, I don't know how old I was, but I want to. I mean, I had to be older because I was at the movies by myself. Yeah. So yeah, I was. I had to be at least ten. Um, but yeah, so it how was far incredible. away was the movie theater from your house? Were you riding your bike? Or? No, 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 no. My parents would drop me off, okay. and they were so happy to drop us off. You know, I had young <laughs> parents. I yeah. had a Vietnam vet uh-huh. and a really young mom, and all they wanted was time alone. Sure. So if we wanted to go to the movies go for you know it. go yeah. and so yeah I, I would watch it every single week and that was when movies stayed in yeah. movie theaters for like a year or you something. know they were just there yeah. until somebody made something else i think top gun was at our movie theater for like six months yeah. because you know people would just see it that you would pay to see movies over and over and over again well it's it's amazing now because movies are literally even good movies max two months and that's yeah. Star Wars. Like any other movie, three weeks. That's it's, and it's out, and then it's streaming a month, you know, you know, a month later. Yeah, but I worry about this generation because they can't truly ever love anything. No, no. everything's gone. Like soon. you can't see because you know you see a film once and you're like meh, yeah. but then you're forced to see it again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then you're forced to see it again, and you like. So there are movies that I love, which if I had grown up now, maybe yeah. I wouldn't love them. No way, because you would have watched Electric Boogaloo once, once, and that would have been it. Because that's the only opportunity that's I would right. have had, and would I really have gone on demand to watch? Never, never. Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. There are Probably too not. many options. Yeah. Like there's, it's overkill. It really yeah. is. So that's <laughs> that's a great one. Okay, Winway. So mm-hmm. can you top that? Um, well, I would just add to that. Grease 2 was also very pop. I mean, we were about the same age. So I just remember it being on, I think it was HBO or something, and just watching it like the entire summer. It was on like every day and watching it over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So, uh, as, okay. Guilty That's all I'm saying. That's not my guilty pleasure. Yeah, was your- <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know that I feel guilty about my... Pleasures? Oh, that sounds disturbing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, edit. Yeah, edit that out. Delete, delete, delete. That sounded really... No, you got to keep it in. It's real. It's live, people. I am the purest person you can imagine, or the most prudish person you could possibly imagine, so that's not what I meant at all. Guilty Pleasures, Wayne's World, Austin Powers. I mean, I can't not watch that movie, and it is so ridiculous, and I actually... My son was homesick. It was probably a few years ago. I mean, I want to guess he was like 10 or 11. Also, my 10-year-old daughter has watched this when she was younger, was Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. But I forgot all the, like, references to the penis. Yeah, and the the woman's um, name is... The penis enlargement thing. It's like he had the penis pump. It was a penis penis pump, pump, yes. But it was just like, he's like, quickly, quickly. He's like, sir, you forgot this. He's like, this is your copy of your book. My, like, how the penis pump works, and I can repeat it. But it was just like... Oh my god, I totally well, that, freaking forgot. And all the names. Like, her name's like a lot of vagina. Or yeah, a lot of vagina. Lot of vagina. Whatever, I, think, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. It was all really ridiculous that I was like, how did I let my child watch this? But I'm fine. It but then fine. again, like, look, I think... It's so funny. I'm not a parent, so I, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> but everything's so over, overprotective. I'm like, my, I oh, got to watch Porky's when I was a kid. And Animal House. And oh, I now, did not get to watch Porky's. Yeah. Well, I went to Well, I would say but. I've always <laughs> valued... Um, quality over age appropriateness with sure. my children. Yeah. So, like, I just feel like I've never let them watch a Disney show. Like, I mean, I'm even like, if you go to your friends and they have that fucking Disney <laughs> channel on, no! Like, that is so brain damaging. 
searchingly stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what the Disney shows are. I mean, I'm thinking Hannah Montana, but that's even before my kid's age. But, yeah. like, whatever the stupid Disney shows, they are so mentally debilitating that I'm like, you can watch, eight, you know, something that is inappropriate, that is quality. Not that Austin Powers is high quality, but you know what I mean. You know, I'm sorry. I got a non sequitur, but yeah. I just thought of my second greatest guilty well, pleasure. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I think in some ways it's even bigger than Grease 2, mm-hmm. and that's The Bodyguard. Oh. I oh, okay. fucking love <laughs> The Bodyguard. Oh, my God. Whitney, when Kevin Costner carries Whitney Houston out of that disco yeah. and her pearls are on the... Oh, I was just done for. I, I memorized that soundtrack from beginning to oh, yeah. end. I love The Bodyguard. And Roger Ebert yeah. and Gene Siskel, they hated, hated it. Oh, it. Yeah. Roger Ebert, he panned it. And I loved Roger Ebert. Whatever he said to watch, I showed up and I watched it. And I was just like, boy, you got that wrong. Wrong with a capital W. So did you like... That was a big deal, Roger. Yeah. Roger yeah, two thumbs up. Yeah. Show, right? yeah. They would always find, I love... Well, him, this yeah. Thing, yeah. Leonard Maltin being on Entertainment Tonight, those yeah. were all big deals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, did that. you enjoy the Dolly Parton song before the Whitney Houston? No. Okay. I didn't even know it existed until See, Whitney Houston. Yeah. yeah, no. And I think there was some chemistry between Whitney and Kevin oh, that was extraordinary. Yeah. And I Free love flower. that movie. Yes, Frank Fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. That would have been a good soundtrack. Why not? Oh, I love no, that movie. That is a terrible soundtrack. I, I love I Twilight, it. too. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Don't get me started. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Well. Is Twilight a guilty pleasure? No, so for it's me, Twilight yeah. is serious business. I think for the rest of the world, Twilight's a guilty okay, pleasure. Okay, let's open up the can of worms. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, is that a guilty pleasure or just... Fifty Shades of Grey is amazing. I loved Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and I think for those of the, us the that... The movie? I know you like no, the, the, the book. I love the book and I love the movie. movie. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I love the movie. Okay, do you know my, like... My problem is yeah. sex scenes. I hate them. They don't <laughs> progress the story. Like we all know what's going to happen. Who cares? I don't. But have need you watched watch Fifty this. Shades of Grey? Never. Oh, I'll never no, no. watch it. Well, never. watch it and then tell me because no, never. Well, those sex scenes are something else. <laughs> no, because it doesn't progress the story. Who cares? I'm embarrassed. I'm leaving. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the thing about sex scenes in like a movie like Fifty Shades of Grey, I think the reason why well, they're that's compelling the whole point of the movie, is because. Right? No average human being, certainly not myself, is going to, you know, do half the shit you're watching on screen. <laughs> to edit this out. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think this is fascinating. It's captivating. This will be the bonus footage for the people that end up paying for this final guest. Do you want the raunchy version? The extended cut? The director's yeah, yeah, cut? <laughs> the non-rated version? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this completely person. appropriate. <laughs> okay, so you've opened up a can of worms. So there's no... You, so when you're in the theater yes. watching a sex scene, that's totally uncomfortable compared to being at home. I don't know if I'm uncomfortable. I'm just like... Okay, Come on, move on with this the does not... I don't care about these two people kissing. Like, if you have like, oh, mm, they kiss. Okay, yeah. got it. They're, so they're Top Gun, do it. totally stupid. They're going to do it. It doesn't... I know sex scene in any situation I ever... I will fast forward through them because I'm like, this does not progress the story. I don't care. I get it. You're going to do it. I get it. I don't need to watch it. Oh, my God. Don't care. I am your polar opposite. <laughs> because... It is so boring to me. No, so I think that's a podcast for you. For yeah, the yeah, just, yeah, we just do the that. greatest romantic sure. moments, like the way Rhett Butler kisses Scarlett. Sure. The way, and okay, I know. So yes, a romantic moment, the first kiss, but then done. Don't need to see anymore. Yeah, like, but like, what are the second. great sex scenes in the history of American cinema? Last like, Tango in Paris with nine the and a half weeks. With that gross spit action where the spit kind of... Was it in that? No, no, that was in Top Gun where Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise do the spit. 
I was no, eight years no, old no, and I saw no. that with my parents. I know, theater. and I was like, yeah. ew, why do they have to do the spit thing? I still don't regret not going to see whatever that movie was you guys wanted to see, the Amy Schumer film. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, that's a good movie. But you know what? The problem Train with ride. the Amy Train Schumer Train film ride. is I think for all of us that had rough college years, that's a look in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think she's just, that she's portraying that something was that was too, <laughs> that was too, like, whoa. But the John yeah. Cena scenes are absolutely hilarious. No, I think like really romance, the way it's portrayed, the way a man kisses a woman or a woman kisses a woman or a man kisses a man, like however you approach that, there's there's a romance in that. And I think one of the things that the Twilight film as opposed to the book did was mm-hmm. was really silly and it was the director, Catherine Hardwick. Uh, she was really g- great at understanding the teenage mind. Yeah. And she directed, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I can't believe I, I can't remember. Robert Pattinson. Oh my God, well, you know I've had too much to drink if I can't remember Robert Pattinson's name. But <laughs> Do you have a nickname for him? Yeah. Bob Pat? Bob Pat. <laughs> <laughs> what is his nickname? Oh, no, no, no. So there's, we ship. Well, back in the day, we shipped Rob Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, and they were Robston. No, okay. no, it was R-Pats. R-Pats. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, R-Pats. But yeah, so anyways, like, when she directed uh, that in that scene for Edward to grab Bella's face just so. Mm-hmm. And, we, and anybody that's seen the movie knows what I'm talking about, yeah. you know, and he just... He cups her face, he holds her cheek and grabs her head, mm-hmm. and I gotta tell you, every teenage girl in America just went, sure. watch all. And if you watch, a year after Twilight came out, because that's when the movies would come out, that scene has influenced the way every man kisses a girl from mm-hmm. here on out. And I know some people will go, whoa, 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 that, the, the notebook, the notebook, oh, the yeah. notebook did oh, yeah, it first, yeah, yeah. when Ryan Gosling held up. both cheeks. Yeah. And did that thing where he goes in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's just something very romantic about that. About just, like, the subtle way in which you can kiss or in which you can make love and, like, the way the back can move. No, no, no. Long live sex scene in cinema. Lindley's uh, <laughs> under the table. Yeah. I think that it inspires all of us to try to get back in the bedroom and make it work. Okay, so speak. I don't know if you ever heard this story. So Fast Times at Richmond High, when they were allowing r- rentals to go, people, know, video store owners noticed that the famous Phoebe Cates scene where yes. she were, was cut. Out. No, it would be the that scene would degenerate. Like the the film yes! quality would degenerate because everyone was Everybody rewinding it back and forth just for that one scene. Yeah. But see, that's the guy. Oh, absolutely. So that's, that's the, the part. That, those yeah. are the parts that the guys find yeah. extraordinary. Sure. And that's a whole other podcast. No, I know. <laughs> My first boyfriend's father. Before the whole, whatever, the celebrity naked internet scenes. This was yeah. back in the day, for right? For Mr. Skin. Yeah, before yeah. Mr. Skin. Yeah. He put together VHSs of naked celebrities. My first boyfriend's father. <laughs> like, would put together, he had all these, and would, like, brag about it. Yes, this is where I put together all of the, like, boob shots. Right. I've ever seen. Like, he just, like, spliced them together and had these, like, collection. Oh. And it was like... Well, what we had to do cool. before the internet, I know. It was very really oh. difficult. Why are you telling me I was, like, 18? Come on. Oh. Poetry. He's the original Mister Skin. Yeah, he was <laughs> like that. And it was so funny when they had that on. That's a guilty pleasure. Knocked yeah. up when they talked about oh, it. Yeah. Knocked up. They were mm-hmm. trying to do it, and everybody's like, "It's like Mister Skin." And yeah. I was like, oh "My God, my boyfriend's father used to do this shit." Yeah, so, but you see, there's so guilty funny. pleasures and then there's guilty pleasures. Yeah. Knocked up is highbrow guilty pleasure. Twilight is lowbrow guilty pleasure. Okay, but line. Austin Powers, lowbrow. That's lowbrow. No, I still, I think even Austin Powers. I think a lot compared of penis to me, jokes, a lot of penis jokes. And he should have a more often. He's in the bathroom, like yeah. Tom Arnold. You're yeah. more a highbrow guilty pleasure, and I'm lowbrow guilty really? pleasure. I, I wonder. I don't know. Maybe it's. We should do more exploration of this. I don't know. I want to hear about your like. 
like the back is arched in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't take it. No. Oh, that Lord, have mercy. That is me fast forward. Somebody in the comments, tell me that I'm telling the truth. Please, I need another woman in America to say thumbs up oh, to I'm me. I'm sure you are more the norm. I am abnormal. I get that. But I'm like honestly completely yeah. bored by yeah. makeout scenes or sex scenes. Like, yeah. I get what's happening. I'll, I'll give you guys a copy of this. Story. I don't think any of this is going in. Yeah, so, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Oh my oh, god, that's too funny. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks, Brian. Oh god! Oh! Yes! 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 I'll have what she's having. So we have the dynamic duo back. It's always our Thursday club. It's yeah. Josephine and Malin. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys for joining again. You are the mainstays. Um, <laughs> so this is great. So we're going to go through guilty pleasures. And Josephine and I were talking about this before that, you know, certain guilty pleasures aren't. They don't even have to be guilty pleasures. You know, movies are mm -hmm. movies. Enjoy them for what they are. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, Josephine, tell me what, how you feel about guilty pleasures, what we talked about, and then you can go into your, into your yeah, list. Yeah, I think I was just telling Brian, not every movie has to be a Wes Anderson, a Saving Private mm -hmm. Ryan masterpiece. And for what I look for in movies, movies that I enjoy, is for what they were trying to achieve, did they hit that mark? So that's kind of like the hallmark of like, did I enjoy that movie? Right. Did, did I like it? So it doesn't matter like what it's trying to be. Having said that, <laughs> I notice all my guilty pleasures fit into one genre, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which really? maybe it's a little bit hard to find a really good one. And I've, I think I've read an article on Vulture that said, is the romantic comedy dead or why aren't they that great anymore? Um, I'm so glad you didn't call it rom-com because the millennials have been calling it rom-com for the last yeah. few interviews. Have they? Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Well, I think the the gold standard for me for romantic comedies is when Harry met Sally. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like um, it wasn't trying to be anything. It was just this is what we're going to try to explore: female mm -hmm. and male dynamics. Can they be friends? And I remember there was another article on Vulture as well. I think it was sparked by, I think, a Mindy Kaling tweet about um, Sleepless in Seattle versus You've Got Mail. Mm, and this, right. like, war happened on Twitter about which is, which is, like, the superior romantic comedy. For my money, it's Sleepless in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I think by You've Got Mail, it was almost a little self-conscious. Like, it was... Like Meg Ryan was doing her cutesy thing, and yeah, it was yeah. very. Well, it's also a remake, and so it's hard to be. Mm -hmm. Sleep in Seattle was actually original. I mean, it was mm -hmm. a novel first, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can only go so far with You've Got Mail if you're yeah. staying true to the original. Yeah, and there's a lot I like about You've Got Mail, mm -hmm. but I just like Sleep in Seattle. It just felt a little bit more authentic. Sure. It wasn't trying to be anything. And You've Got Mail is immediately dated now. So a certain time period will remember it, but now, I mean, I think Almost Shop Around the Corner holds it better in in, in some ways, mm -hmm. um, just because it's kind of that cute, you know, they're writing each other notes instead of, you know. Shop Around the Corner? Yeah. That's a new movie? No. no. That's the... That Jimmy yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's the oh, original oh. You've Got Mail. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why Meg Ryan's bookstore, I think, is called Shop Around the Corner. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like a nod mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Yeah, see, you're learning something yeah. from damn good movie <laughs> no. memories. Yeah, I yeah, know, every day. And actually, I started um, listening to some of the older episodes mm -hmm. and hearing what everybody else is saying. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, yeah. see, this is, that's, I'm, yeah, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Okay, so on that note, oh, sorry, I banged the table. <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> So French Kiss, 
Probably oh, my yeah. number one guilty pleasure. Just because it's so charming. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, just Another the, Meg Ryan movie, right? Another Meg Ryan yeah. movie. I think she really is incredibly charming in that. I love what she's wearing. <laughs> and also, but, I mean, what's ridiculous about it is just all those, like, French cliches. It's so ridiculous. And even yeah. when I saw it, I was like, this is ridiculous. But it's so charming. It's so funny. Um, yeah, it has a lot of those, like, romantic comedy, like, hallmarks. Yeah. Where she's defeated, and then she meets this, like, weirdo guy, and they they spar. And then I thought it was really cute. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. um, music and lyrics. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Oh, uh, Drew Barrymore? Mm -hmm. and, and Hugh Grant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really fun. like that. Of course, that. you've seen I've seen Brian. all of I love <laughs> romantic comedies. Yeah. They are what they are. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I really like that, too. And I... I mean, speaking of great soundtracks, did you have you used the soundtrack? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a really great poppy, catchy soundtrack that's kind of reminiscent of like those eighty pop songs. Yeah, well, he's a, he's, I believe he's a songwriter, right? Mm -hmm. Or he or he was a musician at one point. Yeah. popular at one point. Yeah, and then yeah. she's this. Um, she she wanted to be a writer, and now she turns out she's like a really great lyricist. Yeah, yeah. And I just I just love these two people that are kind of like beaten down they have failure disappointment and then they kind of like oh you know let's just try one more time i just mm -hmm. love that part drew barrymore's in a lot of good romantic um did you ever see never never been kissed yes the whole josie so. gross <laughs> yeah. it's it's really fun I love it, you know she's great at that she is. and um even the wedding singer you know, yeah yeah you know. wedding singer 50 first dates mm -hmm. she's yeah. just really charming she yeah. is she yeah she's that. really yeah. great yeah <laughs> so another one is the holiday <laughs> yeah, yeah i think we talked about it i saw this in the theater yeah and i think the one of the reasons i like it is just because it, it gets a little meta because it, it's it is about movies and because one of the characters she makes um, movie trailers yeah and then then one of her her colleagues um, does movie scores so Jack Black right Jack Black yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and I just oh man, I love Kate Winslet she can do <laughs> yeah. no wrong for me I mean she can do anything right she can do these romantic comedies <laughs> she can do the readers another one is <laughs> I mean, she came prepared this. I love yeah. this so yeah. Hitch did you guys ever see Hitch. Oh, with uh, Will Smith? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen it? These are all going over <laughs> my head. <laughs> well, you're talking about Drew Barrymore yeah. in romantic comedies. I'm like, ah, she was great in Scream. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> e.T. I love her e. oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Firestar. Firestar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah no, it's, I, I've yeah. seen the other side of Drew Barrymore. Yes. And you're introducing me to another completely come, different come side. Come to the her. side. Yeah, I know. <laughs> come to the light side, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, Hitch is also one that's kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure I agree so much with the the premise of, you know, women want it this way just sure. because everyone is different. But I love how it's just so absurd that, I don't know if you saw this once, that one scene where Will Smith is coaching, was it Kevin, Kevin, Kevin James? Kevin James, yes. Kevin James behind the door. There is so obviously someone on the other side <laughs> sure. of the door, but it just, it just, they play it off as, yeah. you know, it's, it's fine. It reminds me of, uh, what was it, What Women Want with Mel Gibson. I've never seen and, that. I think Rene Russo. Or was it Helen Hunt? Helen Hunt, yes. Yeah. 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 Was that good? It is. It's fine. I mean, I remember enjoying it. Like, I, you know, I never leave romantic comedy. Like, I, there was one subject. I think you suggested, like, romantic, or romantic comedies that aren't cheesy or uh -huh. chick flicks that aren't Without cheesy. Without the schmaltz. Yeah. yeah. And I, get, I, I get why they sit, follow the same format. I mean, that's what people want. You're not going there to get, you know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to feel okay when you leave. Mm -hmm. It worked. So, mm -hmm. yeah, these yeah. are all great. Okay. <laughs> Say <one> more. <laughs> Don't oh, feel no, guilty at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, the other one, last one is she's like a romantic comedy mainstay. Well, not anymore, but she was. Um, Hope floats with uh, Sandra Bullock. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Harry Connick Jr. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jenna Rollins is in mm-hmm. it. Um, I think I think Boris Whitaker directed it. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. But I just love how it's just kind of unabashedly sincere yeah. and. Yeah, I love that devotion to just being like all like schmaltzy yeah. and cheesy and soft and soft and smushy. Yeah. Soft and gooey. Gooey chewy. We're getting food metaphors uh-huh. from close to Thanksgiving, so this is good. So, these so, yeah. are great. Maywin, okay. So how, top all this. Oh gosh. Um, I don't know. So I have a couple of questions for you first. Okay. I, have a, I, I kind of tried to brainstorm in advance mm-hmm. to be prepared. So my first question is are there age restrictions on your Absolutely audience? Not. So I can be frank and kind of confessional here? Of course. It, uh, it, uh, I, I can put I explicit when I upload this to <laughs> okay. iTunes. So, yeah. And the other thing is, you're, are you going to be doing cult films yes. later? So you so might I don't know which stories I want to reserve for cult films, okay. I think. Well, I'll space them out. And maybe we'll do it in a few months, so okay. it would be safe. So the first thing I wanted to do is have a little bit of maybe a debate about the term guilty pleasures. Sure. Uh, so are they guilty pleasures or are they misunderstood masterpieces? Because that's what I understand. Is like, <laughs> that can go either way, and that also goes into cult films, too. Because, oh, that's true. You know, sometimes they're just, they, they were released at the wrong time, they didn't have the mm-hmm. funding or whatever reason, and then yeah. you look back years later and they're actually amazing or, films. Yeah, or they were just made for a very, very small audience. Sure. And it's just, you know, maybe there are only 20 people out there that are going to appreciate it on that yeah. level. On whatever level, yeah. maybe the the level the filmmaker wanted, or maybe they're it's own like this podcast. Great level, it's a, exactly. it's a cold podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out who the audience is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I take guilty time. pleasure to mean like you know it's not a good movie, but right. you really enjoy it for whatever reason. Sure. That's why I proposed the term um, uh, misunderstood masterpieces as a way to take <laughs> it back. You know, like take back. I'm writing the it guilty down. Pleasure. This will be in the show notes. Didn't Louis Mall say? Was it Louis Mall? He said, like, it takes just as much effort to make a bad movie as it does a good one. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's right. Yeah. I don't know if that was what he said. Yeah. That's a great quote. I don't was know it? if that was yes. it. Um, so, anyway, I noticed that a lot of my guilty pleasures are probably crossovers with cult films. Okay. Um, the way that I was... Huh, yeah, so the way I was introduced to a lot of these is not by choice, but I encountered guilty pleasures sometimes in moments when I wasn't ready for them. So going back, um, when I was growing up in the <laughs> middle of nowhere in California, uh, and this is where it's going to get confessional, I've noticed that a few of my upcoming stories are probably going to be about things I shouldn't have done, but I did anyway. <laughs> so during high school, high school was really horrible and boring for both my sister and I. So in Fresno, there was an art house movie series, like that's what they called it, mm-hmm. art movie series, which They could have called it whatever. Um, So I hope there's nobody out there listening to this who knows me. But so my sister and I (laughs) would ditch. I will post on your Facebook. We would we would ditch school. We had a system. This is going to come up later when I talk about cult films for Rocky Horror Picture Show. But um, this we had a system for ditching school, and once a week they would change the films, Mm -hmm. and we would make sure to see every single one of those films. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while. Oh my goodness, I saw a film I wasn't ready for. Um, like David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. Whoa. That is, uh, so it's a film mm-hmm. that's inspired very, very loosely. Thank goodness it's inspired loosely off of Bill Burroughs' um, beat kind of 
masterpiece of debauchery that I think must have been banned like everywhere. But anyway, didn't know anything about the beats, didn't know anything about William Burroughs, but um, I did know that the film was coming because they would see trailers for mm-hmm. future installments in this series. If you ever have a chance, look at the trailer for Naked Lunch. It's okay. great. It doesn't tell you anything about the movie. Thank goodness. It because it didn't prepare me or anyone else. But it's got Bill Burroughs doing kind of this narration about um, what's going to happen, just his relationship with Hollywood in the film. And um, it's kind of hypnotic. And so I was really looking forward to this movie. And then we went in, my sister and I, on this ditch day from school. (laughs) We go in, it's daylight outside. You go into this film that's just so kind of out of this world and dark and if I, I, I there was nothing that prepared me for that um and i think i liked the shock much later like going into it it was just one of those films that i had a seismic reaction mm-hmm. to and not necessarily in a good way but it did shake me up so what's the premise of the film oh, without God, giving so the pre- the premise of the film not the book mm-hmm. because right. it's hard to say that there is a unified premise to the book premise of the movie is that uh, a bug killer mm-hmm. who is uh, he's hooked as as though it were a heroin addiction to the poison that he's using to mm-hmm. kill bugs has to flee the country and goes off into this kind of sci-fi post-apocalyptic weird kind of poetic landscape where there are giant insects and there are these things called these cr- uh, terrifying creatures called mugwumps who have um, penile uh, appendages on their heads and eject, uh, they ejaculate, yeah. and I think that creates, anyway, that, yeah. um, uh, so it's this weird psycho, uh, oh, I was in high school, I was probably 16, okay. or, I shouldn't have been there, I had no right. business being in this movie, but that goes with a lot of those films, like My Own Private Idaho, mm-hmm. um, what else? Things like that, yeah, so yeah. kind of of that era. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not the cook, the thief, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Same kind of era, but I didn't get to see it as part of that series. But, but yeah, so a lot of my guilty pleasures I discovered with my sister while ditching school That's in awesome. high school, um, especially in our senior year. Yeah, um, I wrote a whole list of these. Okay, so my other set of guilty pleasures came from a similar kind of movie series experience and that's Peaches Christ's Midnight Mass mm-hmm. in the city so when I moved with my partner up to the Bay Area after grad school I thought you know back in the day we used to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show in Berkeley mm-hmm. and that's not happening anymore and I thought you know it's the Bay Area there has got to be a midnight movie series yeah. or something that's like filled that space because there was like a need for the Rocky Horror Picture Show when it was there um, so what's filled that need? And so I looked around for a little while, and then I finally found Peaches Christ's Midnight Mass, which is great because you have this drag queen mm-hmm. who is named after Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole like line, uh, story behind backstory is that she's a direct descendant of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and she's doing this midnight movie series where you go and you worship like these B grade movies mm-hmm. for Midnight Mass. You know, it's just it's awesome. The whole like theming of it was so subversive and so twisted mm-hmm. and so lovely and delectable. I just loved it. Immediately fell in love with it, and yeah, and so I found a bunch of movies um, that I fell in love with there that I hadn't managed to see before. Um, like Straight Jacket with uh, the girl, the woman from um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Joan Crawford. Oh. Joan Crawford as uh, an 
a very likely, potentially axe-wielding murderess. Um, this is definitely this is, later in her career. Yeah, I think so. But it, it, that was fantastic. It's definitely not Mildred Pierce. Um, but <laughs> That was her finest hours. But so. that was fantastic. That whole like experience of going into the city, which I normally don't really like to do, but going in after everybody's like... Doing like their nightlife stuff or whatever, and then creeping into this movie theater with a bunch of like uh, crazy uh, people who are just as addicted to like the the B side of films. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listener, Brian's showing us a picture of the poster. You should all look at it. It's great. Yes, it's basically Joan, Joan Crawford in a dress with this huge axe in her hand. Yeah, and it's not though you might think it at first. It's not an excerpt from Mommy Dearest, but it right. looks like it could be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, man. So, that's, yeah. That's another guilty pleasure movie for a lot of people is Mommy Dearest. No, absolutely. Yeah. Which uh, is great because... So, uh, she did Mommy Dearest, which I had seen before on TV, but it's not the same seeing Mommy Dearest on Fade TV yeah. as seeing it in a midnight movie series that is worshipping the heck out of Faye Dunaway's brilliant role. See, oh, where yeah. you know, it found its audience, oh, right? Totally. <laughs> because that's the only way I can say some of these yeah. things is just going in there and worshiping this kind of priceless performance oh, yeah. of her just going all out yeah. with absolutely no abandon mm-hmm. whatsoever. So even if you don't appreciate the movie or Joan Crawford or Faye Dunaway's over the topness sure. of it, some, uh, you got to appreciate yeah. that she just went for it totally like, method whatever. active yeah yeah i've heard stories where like people just despised her on the set because she essentially became that character. <laughs> so, yeah yeah it's just crazy yeah yeah that's Fair. too bad because apparently she doesn't associate herself with that movie whatsoever right. at all yeah um because it would have been great to see her like, at one of these midnight movie uh-huh. series she would i think have really appreciated seeing how much people love her right. <laughs> you know, yeah. in the middle of the night mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? it's weird some actors embrace the the bad movies and, mm-hmm. and they go with it and others are just like i don't even want to talk about it right mm-hmm. like Clint eastwood's first movie i think was the sequel to creature from the black lagoon he won't uh-huh. even talk about it though so wow. yeah so, but and he's got a really small role but he won't right. anytime they ask him about it he just <laughs> it. So, yeah everyone's different we all know it's yes there. um another one texas chainsaw massacre part two oh it's um, not even the first no, no 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 i i appreciate texas chainsaw massacre part one mm-hmm. on a completely different level i have no guilt about that uh, it's a great horror film but yeah Part two takes a little bit of maybe justification, but seeing Dennis Hopper and it's just so yeah. kind of over the top and um, just insane. Um, but another uh, sequel horror film that I hadn't appreciated fully before the Midnight Mass movie series was, more importantly, Freddy's uh, Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, mm. which could and probably should be titled A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Gay. <laughs> it is the most homoerotic... <laughs> I have to rewatch of, it, it Yeah, yeah. And it's not like it's totally subliminal. Mm-hmm. It's so out there mm-hmm. and in front of you. If you. And if you just do see Freddy's, uh, Freddy's Revenge, it is so super gay. It is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, so Peaches was fortunate enough to get the main actor, Mark Patton, I think his name was, uh-huh. to come and give us a little bit of the backstory about it. So apparently the writer was fully uh, kind of aware that he was writing a gay horror film mm. that was based off of the inspiration, I think, of kind of homophobia in high school and uh, identities being kind of twisted. And so that plays out in the film as Freddie's trying to possess this male teenager. Sure. 
Um, that's not the limit of it. The dialogue is so hilarious by today's standards. Um, and when you anyway, first saw so the, it, did you, did you realize any of this? Like when you first saw it? I, yeah. On some level I was like, this is a different horror film because I was growing up sure, gay and yeah. like, you know, there were no gay role models when I was growing yeah. up, but there was like Nightmare on Elm Street too. And I was like, this is relating to me on a different level than the other films. I was like, how intentional, but I never realized until, you know, later it came back and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so anyway, Mark yeah. Patton was telling us that the author knew that this was going on, but apparently the director had no clue. He just directed this as like a straight on horror film yeah. and had no clue until years later that his main uh, actor and the writer were gay and they were totally in on the joke. And it's, really apparent on screen that it's a gay horror film. Oh, I gotta say this now. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like, um, so when Rob Halford came out as gay, he's the lead singer of Judas Priest, a lot of people started going back and reading the lyrics, and they're like, okay, this makes sense <laughs> now. Like, this, so, yeah, like all of these songs, like, now, now it kind of puts it two and two together. He was wearing, you know, the leather and the chains from Biker Bar. That, that was the heavy metal look, not realizing he, he those are coming from those leather shops, you know, those, uh, you know, back then. So that's fascinating. I, I definitely want to go back and watch Freddy's, Freddy's, Freddy's Revenge now. Yeah. Freddy's, <laughs> Freddy's Gay Revenge. Um, I'm going to save cult films. Okay. So I hope I remember to talk about John Waters and oh, Rocky Horror Picture yeah, Show when definitely. we do cult films because yeah. I have... Those are epitome of back cool mm -hmm. Yeah, I have like backstories from my experience encountering those yeah. because I was not ready for those either. Um, uh, as far as guilty pleasures, though, I would just add Theater of Blood and pretty much anything with uh, the tri my my dearly loved triumvirate of British horror: yeah, okay. uh, Chris Lee, uh -huh. Vincent Price, or Peter Cushing. Cushing Peter yep. Cushing is my favorite, but mm -hmm. Theater of Blood is Vincent Price um, as a has been West End actor um, who is jilted because he wanted to get like a basically the equivalent of a Tony over there and they mm. pass him over for some other actor. Um, he tr attempts a suicide and they think it's successful. He, ah, however, he comes back and takes out his revenge one by one on the critics who had cast aspersions on his reputation and blocked him from getting that award. And, even better, he uh, murders all of those critics uh, based on a particularly famous and gory end in a Shakespeare play. Mm. So it's really fantastic. Yeah. Really campy. Several films have been inspired on um, on that premise uh, yeah. as well since well, then. It's, it's so yeah. good. So good. Yeah. Did you ever watch any of the William Castle movies? You yeah, know, yeah, the yeah, Tingler yeah. and everything. Those are, yeah, they're yeah. different. Those are just, they were supposed to be cheesy and you go to the theater and then the Tingler would actually, you know, your seat would move or something like that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, those are great. So, Josephine, do you have any more? Are we, so we go from horror to rom, back to rom Back to yeah. horror and <laughs> yeah. No, I was just thinking about, um, no, just thinking what we were saying yeah. and, um, there's another podcast. Is it okay to talk about the podcast? Mm -hmm. Of course, podcast. of course. There's a podcast called How Did This Get Made? Have you mm -hmm. heard of it? No. So that's with uh, Paul Shear and June, Diane Raphael, and mm -hmm. Jason something. But anyway, they, they look at movies where, I think as they put it, it had the budget, like it had the resource, like the producers, the star, the, the scripts, all the means to be a big successful movie. But for whatever reason, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of like they make fun of it, obviously, and they just kind of like look at like what 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 went wrong. So they have like the tourists, they have 
I think Battlefield Earth, the John Travolta oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah. So yeah. these movies that have the budget, they got the stars, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's terrible. And they just talk about that. And they were saying that I think one of them knew someone that was on the set of The Tourists. Oh, yeah. Johnny uh-huh. Depp and Angelina Jolie. And um, it just sounds like with all these movies that end up being just bad or like, you know, guilty pleasures, there's just so many different variables that can happen, you know, in, in terms of like the set and what happened. And this guy was saying that um, the director wanted something from Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp, he gave a note to Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp was like, okay, I'll do this, but it's not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna work, it's not gonna be good. And they're like, I think that kind of captures why a lot of these movies that, that have every chance to be great mm-hmm. end up kind of just like sinking. They fall flat, yeah. yeah. Just to even <laughs> things out, just to even things out, I thought maybe I'd throw in a couple of romantic comedies that I do have on my list. Um, she Devil and War of the Roses. <laughs> Love She Devil. Yeah. Yeah. Meryl Streep no, is yeah. so great. Yeah. She's so great in everything, and it's R- such, Roseanne, right? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so fantastic that Meryl Streep found that movie, or vice versa, mm-hmm. because um, yeah, it's just fun to watch her and Roseanne go at it. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of a modern psycho bitty film. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, which I also love as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. But I also love, I mean, I think that was one of her, the, the roles where she was proving that she could be a really great comedian, comedic actress. Yeah, sure. And then yeah. that movie and then my other top, like top three movie, Defending Your Life, she's also oh, in that. Oh, yeah. And she's, I mean, she's not doing the physical, com- the comedy of like mm-hmm. She Devil, yeah. but still she's like warm and bubbly and effervescent. It's, it's not, yeah. That's a yeah. brilliant movie that nobody knows about. Like, and, and Albert Brooks is so good in that and just the whole, the whole premise, like, I is just great. That's a great cult movie, I think. That'll, that'll yeah. Be, I definitely That's a movie about. everyone is like, oh yeah, I've heard of it and I'll never watch it. <laughs> but they gotta see it. Like, yeah. I, I just saw it like probably five years ago and it's great. Like, just the whole movie, it, it surprised me. I'm like, why haven't I heard about this? Yeah, and, and it's and, surprising. Yeah. Like, I think about it. Uh, I mean, more than I would a, like a cult movie from the nineties. Sure. It's like the, 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 really the idea that you distill a whole movie down to like an idea. It's like, you know, you might think, okay, I've made all these mistakes. It's too late to go back. Yeah. It, it's you, it might not be too late. So you just take a chance. Right. Yeah. 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 Albert Brooks is always underrated. I was yeah. Like I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And War of the Roses. I don't know. I was. What can you say? It's I perfect. I know. Well, you go from <laughs> two, two divorce movies. Yeah, two, yeah. The horrors of divorce. I they're, think, they're arguably romantic comedies. But <laughs> right? I, I, I was hoping they'd I'd add death, I'd add death, um, add death Becomes Her as well. There's sure. another. Uh, yeah, that's a good one, too. It's really too bad that and death. <laughs> yeah. Michael Douglas and uh, uh, Kathleen Turner didn't do more movies. It was basically Romance in a Stone, Jewel Denial, and then War of the Roses. Yeah, uh, uh, but it was a triumvirate as well. Mm hmm. Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, Danny DeVito. That's a good point. Yeah, without DeVito. It's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who agreed to be interviewed on this episode. You always make the show as good as it can be. So other guilty pleasure movies that just didn't make my top ten list, I'll read through them somewhat quickly. I had Adventures in Babysitting from 1987. I talked about that before. Can't Buy Me Love, also from 1987, was a lot of fun. That's the geek to chic sort of premise. I used to love Crocodile Dundee as a kid. That was from 1986. Uh, Over the Top. So uh, Sarah and I talked about that, but Over the Top is exactly what it is. Very Over the Top. Uh, The Sweetest Thing with Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate and Selma Blair. Really, really funny kind of gross-out comedy. Kind of in the vein of Bridesmaids, but to me it's, it's just as good. Spies Like Us was a lot of fun. Kind of completely ridiculous. 
Um, always love the test taking scene. It doesn't really translate uh, through podcasting, which is kind of why I didn't pick it and didn't play it. But if you see that 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 scene, it's absolutely Chevy Chase just kills me. Uh, Super Troopers, a lot of fun. I love ridiculous comedies, and it's a kind of a stoner Cheech and Chong type comedy, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, I almost put Men at Work with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez on it. Um, Clark David, no, Craig David, I think it's David, Keith David, sorry. Keith David is their, um, you know, ride along, and he's super, super funny in that. And also, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead with Christina Applegate. Again, another guilty pleasure. You got to see all of these movies if you like stupid comedies. Anyway, it's time for the plugs. You know you love this show, and if you love the show, you have to rate it and review it on iTunes. Because if you subscribe to it and you enjoy what we give you, you need to plug us. So make sure you rate and review. It would be a big help. You can also go on Podbean and listen to us at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. You can go to our YouTube page, listen to us there. You can also go on Facebook and find us and like us on Damn Good Movie Memories. All right, until next week. Have a safe holiday. Talk to you later. Christ, did a cow shit in here?